You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars The Last Jedi, brought to you by the StarQuest Podcast Network and our many generous supporters. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars The Last Jedi, where we discuss the deeper layers and meanings in the most recent entry in the Star Wars universe, The Last Jedi. And joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? So, uh, yeah, people may be wondering um, if you're listening to this as we, rec- uh, you know, just after we record it, uh, it's March and the movie came out in December. Uh, is it a little late? Well, you know, we wanted to give you a chance to watch it a few times and to give ourselves a chance to watch it a few times uh, before we really digest it. And not not in, not all those hot takes. <laughs> and actually, the, the one the one member of the panel who lives in, you know, podunk nowhere, Montana, hasn't had the chance to watch it until this weekend since it just got released on digital download. Yeah. That's right. All that's those right. reasons are equal in, yeah. in, in probative value. Yeah. In, in majesty and splendor. Um, I don't know why I said that. It's just a term that comes to mind with it's equal in majesty and splendor. Um, so. But also, as Father Corey mentioned, uh, the it's just out on uh uh, digital streaming, it's coming out within days on Blu-ray and UHD and whatever else physical disc thing that they come up with next. Uh, so um, we thought that you know it'll, it's back in the news. People will be talking about it again, and it's worth giving us our more considered take. I like to, I like to uh, say it that way, uh, rather than those hot takes that people just yeah. get back from the theater and and want to talk about it. So we're going to give you this more considered yeah. take. The, the passions have cooled, the wisdom has matured, and the movie has stayed the same. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, rather than step through it uh, uh, bit by bit, because that would take forever, uh, I'd like to kind of just talk about some of the important points of the movie, some of the big uh, you know, elements in the movie. Um, and the first thing I want to really kind of talk about is Luke Skywalker. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so Luke, Luke has been the linchpin of Star Wars. He was the hero of the original trilogy. Um, the Skywalker family, of course, is the, you know, famously is, this is the Skywalker saga, these, these trilogy m- movies. And, you know, when we got to the force awakens, we're all, we're expecting to see Luke Skywalker. And finally at the end of the movie, there's Luke. And he doesn't say a word, <laughs> which uh, Mark mm-hmm. Hamill has, has, has famously uh, joked about many times. Um, but now we finally get Luke um, and he's 30 years older. Um, and he's sort of. Mac- at least. Yeah. Yes. At least 30 years old. I mean, we, we get the idea that uh, we've been told that the span of time in, in the Star Wars universe between uh, Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens is the same span of time uh, in, in real world. So so about 30 years. And so Lucas is the crotchety old master who's cut himself off for the force and everybody lo- he loves. He's a hermit on this island uh, on this planet that uh, nobody could find without this special map. Um, 
So off the you, west coast of Ireland. Right. The actual yeah. island is uh, the, the the island in the movie is called Achto Island. And in, in the real world, it's uh, Skellig Michael, which was a famous Irish monastery, a very remote Irish monastery. Uh, so what do you think? What, what do you think of this development of Luke Skywalker's character, uh, you know, going from the, the wide eyed uh, farm boy to the hopeful Jedi who saves Darth Vader to this? How, how did you feel about that coming into this movie? I've seen something like this before. Um, there is uh, there's a movie called The Lost Skeleton of Cadavera. And it's an absolutely hilarious movie. It's a it's a parody of 1950s B movies. It's filmed in black and white, and it tells the story of uh, Dr. Paul Armstrong, who specializes in science, and um, <laughs> and and his wife and their friends, and uh, some of whom are from alien planets. And it's really a lot of fun. It's just a huge amount of fun. Paul Armstrong is a very optimistic, silly character. And then they made a few years later, the same group of people made a uh, a sequel called The Lost Skeleton Returns Again. And in The Lost Skeleton Returns Again, uh, the filmmaker Larry Blamire, who plays Paul Armstrong and, and wrote all these, uh, as well as many other comedic films, um, Larry thought it would be what wouldn't it be really great if Dr. Paul Armstrong had like left his wife to go exploring in the South American jungle and fallen on hard times and and not returned and become and they have to go on a quest for him to find him and when they do he's like become really jaded and bitter and wouldn't that be a lot of fun and and he, it struck him as that would be a great thing to do but when I watched it, it's like, I want my original Paul Armstrong back. I want the optimistic, happy guy. And right. it seems like Ryan Johnson had the same attitude here. But it seems like Luke, it seems like uh, Mark Hamill was on my side. Um, Mark Hamill made it, it has made it abundantly known that he had a lot of disagreements uh, with, with Ryan Johnson's approach to his character. At, at and, least in the beginning. Well, when, that's what he says. But yeah. but. But this is Hollywood. I mean, when he says, having said that, I'm going to do everything possible to take all of your vision on board and realize it and stuff. That's Hollywood talk. <laughs> that's that's the fig leaf. The truth is he didn't like this. And I don't think he's come around on it. Uh, it's his dislike is so prominent. I was watching the bonus features on the on the streaming release. And yeah. it even in the main documentary wow, this is all over that main documentary. Mark Hamill talks about it. Ryan Johnson, the director, talks about it. And um, it's just real clear Luke didn't, uh, Mark Hamill didn't like the direction for Luke. So my my understanding is, uh, you know, as fans, especially those of us who are older fans who remember the uh, original movies as opposed to the younger fans who the uh, the, tr the prequels might have been their introduction to the series. <clears throat> older fans, we were, like you said, we were waiting for our old Luke Skywalker. Like, mm -hmm. all right, Luke Skywalker's had 30 years to become a master. He's going to, like, the Jedi will be back. It's going to be just like the, the good old days of the old Republic when the Jedi were the shining light in the universe. And then we get, to, we get there and, like, Oh, in Ray and Finn in the Force Awakens, like the Jedi. Yeah, we kind of heard of them. They're the legend, aren't they? And we're like, and and I think a lot of fans were kind of taken aback. Like, no, no, we were, we we wanted the the mm -hmm. other thing. 
we wanted that thing that we have been hoping for. And, uh, and uh, the what Ryan you know, Johnson I, has said is, you know, that would have been an you know fine movie, but he didn't. He felt like it wouldn't be interesting. Like that wouldn't have taken Luke in an in in a, in, a, in an interesting direction for a movie. Or you I think say the, Father this, this this kind of goes to the the problem as I see it with new movies in, in a, a franchise like Star Wars. Star Wars is so beloved by so many people and they have so much that they have built into this uh, franchise that if it doesn't come out the way they expect it to be, it's a massive, massive letdown. And kind of on top of that, you have the fact that there was a whole extended universe that with a Jedi mind trick disappeared. <laughs> You know, J.J. Right. Abrams said, that's not the future that you thought it was. And it's gone. And so many people invested so much emotionally into that, those books and those other media that right. that came out that kind of filled in the after effect. I mean, I even I have I still have the 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 uh, Timothy Zahn series trilogy. Right. And the, just the great characters he invented, uh, Mara Jade and the, the solo twins and and all of these these new characters. Uh, I mean, some people have said that Timothy Zahn saved Star Wars, um, mm -hmm. you know, in that great dark period before we even had prequels. We had Timothy Zahn's novels, which were so great. Um, and he's yeah. and he's actually started writing new ones. His Thrawn novel is, is really good, too. Um, and then and then the prequels came along and unsaved Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they nearly killed it again. But the, the thing is, is like like if we talk about fan expectations with the. Uh, the Force Awakens, the great criticism was, oh, it's a rehash. It's it's exactly what we were expecting or not exactly what we were expecting. It's exactly the old movie, you know, the old movies all over again. And mm -hmm. so Ryan Johnson gives us something a little different, although there are still some similarities, some things that occur that the same way, well, you know, crate is a lot middle, like Hoth. The middle act is going to be darker. Right. You know? Exactly. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. But that's that's more of a trilogy thing than almost anything. Um, yeah. But we get something different, and there's still criticism. I mean, there's there's a larger discussion that could be had about the state of of uh, fandoms today, not just Star Wars fandom, but any fandom, and how difficult it is to please fandoms. How how often, when a new anything mm -hmm. comes out, how many people hate it, uh, whether right. it's a new Marvel movie or a new Star Wars movie or a or what have you. Um, mm -hmm. so that might be a, a a bigger discussion for. A, different time right well i kind of i kind of brought it up because I, I i guess i kind of feel like that kind of plays into people's reaction to yes. luke skywalker in this it, Definitely. it does and it, it plays into their reaction to the new trilogy as well i remember when the last jedi came out uh one of my friends the stephen gradonis the movie reviewer expressed some disappointment to me that the um, that we didn't have the Republic back. He felt like we're starting because the Republic had just won at the end of Return of the Jedi. And mm -hmm. now it's all of a sudden like we're back politically where we were at A New Hope. And so and, and I said, but they kind of have to do that because in the original trilogy, episodes four through six, you have the story of the underdogs winning and in the prequels, you had the story of the high civilization falling. And if we went right back to here's a high civilization falling all over again, 
then there would be comparisons to the trilogies. I'm sorry, comparisons to the prequels, which is the one thing you cannot afford to have <laughs> right. because of how exactly. loathed the trilogy, the prequels were. And so you have to start this new trilogy in an underdog position and then win. So you kind of have to go back to the first one. And that means that, you know, I was willing to give uh, The Last Jedi a pass as a palate cleanser, even though it's just a retelling of A New Hope. And so... You mean Force nice Awakens? Force Awakens, I'm yep, sorry. Yep. I was willing to give give it a, a, a pass as a palate cleanser, and it was fun and entertaining. But then I said they need to do something different. And they did do something different in, in this episode. And I don't actually have as the problems. I do have problems with this film, but I don't have the same problems that a lot of fans seem to. Despite, mm. uh, despite my uh, Dr. Paul Armstrong, Luke Skywalker comparison... I actually don't mind what they did with Luke in this film. I could see mm -hmm. them going another more traditional way, but I, I don't mind it. I mean, really, and this is something that Ryan, that one of the people, it may have been Ryan Johnson, it may have been someone else, pointed out in the uh, in the bonus materials, that in this uh, trilogy, Luke isn't the protagonist. He's not the Luke Skywalker. He's the Obi-Wan. And so right. he's he's the he's gone to this remote place to get away from everything. He's uh, deliberately taken himself out of the action that has an effect on where your head is at. And ultimately, he go he goes away the same way that Obi-Wan did. Um, really, if you think about it, if you think in terms of Obi-Wan's arc at the beginning of A New Hope, you have the search for Obi-Wan who's gone to this remote place. And then once they find him, you have Obi-Wan in action for a little bit, and then he goes away completely mm -hmm. into the Force. And that's really what you have over these first two movies of the new trilogy with Luke. Um, the difference is we don't really get Luke back in action for very long, except right at the very end. We also have Luke serving a little bit as Yoda in this, in yeah. training Ray. Yeah. I was going to say, in many ways, almost you know, almost very much the Yoda as well, except for that going mm -hmm. into action at the end. Um, yeah, he even has, he even has the impishness that Yoda did. Yep. Um, I love, I, I, I love, and I laughed out loud in the theater um, when he's starting to train Ray and he's got her to close her eyes and he's like tickling her hands with a stalk of grass. <laughs> yes. And it's like, it's, it's the force. I've never seen anyone this strong. And he's just psyching her out. And that's hilarious. I love that. Yeah, there are some great little moments of levity in there. You know, one of the things that Ryan Johnson has said about Luke, like why did Luke go to Acto Island? Why was he cut off from the force? And he talked about that Luke in, you know, in the story, had after his what happened with Kylo Ren after the destruction of the Jedi Academy, he 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 kind of got in this mindset. He realized that the Jedi were the problem. He kind of explains this to Rey a little bit in the in the story that the Jedi were the problem. That the Jedi had gotten to the be the they were seen by the whole every every time something bad happened, everyone turned to the Jedi and said, "Well, you're going to take care of this." And the Jedi, mm -hmm. in all their arrogance, is as Luke puts it would come out and say, okay, here we come. We're going to fix things. But they were always, they, they, they had like a hyper version of Star Trek's prime directive. You know, we, well, we're very balanced here. You know, we're not going to take sides. And, 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 and Luke just saw the, A, he saw the problem with that attitude, this we're, we're above it all attitude, but we're also going to meddle. Um, but I think he also said, you know, that in order to, 
to not to to avoid the temptation to do that meddling. I have great power. I should be using it to do things. He cuts himself off so that he won't have the the Empire Strikes Back problem where every time someone he loves is in trouble, he'll rush off to help them. So he cut mm-hmm. himself off from Leia and Han and everyone else. And you know that he was cut off from Han because of that great moment when Chewbacca busts down the door of the hut on Octo Island and comes in and they said, well, you know, get on the Falcon. We're get, we're leaving. And the, Luke realizes the Falcon's here and Chewie's here. No Han. And you get that moment like, where's Han? And mm-hmm. what it was so well done, so well acted. And they cut it off there. So you don't have to have this discussion of, oh, Kylo killed Han. You, you know, they had that discussion yeah. and you know that Luke was devastated by it. It's just so such a great moment. But but that's that's one of the reasons. That's what um, Ryan Johnson said is this is why Luke is where he is in the story. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that for a second because it's based on Luke's perception of things of the Jedi as a problem and mm-hmm. the rationale that Ryan Johnson has sketched out that you just summarized Dom is is reasonable but you'll notice it wasn't there in the beginning. In the beginning, if you go back to episode four, the Jedi, I mean, all we saw was Obi-Wan and Luke's potential and Vader as a fallen Jedi, and the Jedi were clearly good. And that continued when we met Yoda in episode five. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jedi were clearly good. They had just lost a, a war in a major way. Then <clears throat> in episode six, Lucas started to introduce... And I think some of this may have even been in five, but Luke started to introduce some kind of nonsensical stuff about the Jedi, like the Jedi never uses the force to attack (laughs) only for it's like, well, why are you why do you have the what do you mean? Why are you carrying a sword if you never attack anybody? (laughs) Well, and clearly Um, contradicted by elements of the stories he told where the Jedi clearly attack and they're clearly angry at times and. Yeah, and and then they pick up on on that in the in the prequels and expand it dramatically. And then when you do see the Jedi in the prequels, it is a very easy um, comp- thing to say these guys are arrogant and dysfunctional, and they're not the good guys that we thought they were. Uh, they may be generally on the side of good, but they're so dysfunctional and. Um, and they and as Luke points out in this film, they they at their moment of you know greatest triumph, they fell. They couldn't see the emperor. They couldn't see um, what was happening around them, and all their mystical powers didn't save them. And the the galaxy was plunged into an empire of darkness. And so Luke's perspective does make sense, but it is it also disconnects with the fan. Given what we've seen in the films, it makes sense. But it also disconnects with what the fans' feeling is. Yeah. Um, because the fans' feeling of what the Jedi should be is rooted back in episode four and five of these are the good guys. And we've never really seen them being awesome and good. And <laughs> but we that's what we want. And so um so Ryan Johnson's perspective that he gives Luke in this film does make sense given what we've seen, but it's based on the flaws of the series, not on what Lucas originally inspired the fans to think. So I, we could talk about Luke for the, I mean, our entire time, but I want to. <laughs> we got we got a couple other characters we want to talk about. Um, I want to bring in, of course, the other the the new hero of the series, Ray. Um, 
I mean, there's so much to talk about there. But one of the things that, that strikes me about Ray as a character is she's earnest at all times. She's at all times, at all times, mm-hmm. implacable. Like she's never discouraged by things. She's and she's clearly skilled. She's received she's received this skill from somewhere. And I, and I think this there's been some you know concern that that Ray is a Mary Sue character. She's a she's a a, is, a fan fantasy. Yeah, Ray is totally a Mary Sue character. Although now, I still of, like her, but yeah. she's a Mary Sue. Oh yeah. One of the thing, one of the in again in story explanations is comes from Snoke. This idea that when darkness rises, light rises to meet it. You know that that whenever there's a powerful dark side person, a powerful light side person rises, mm-hmm. and they thought it would be Luke, but it turns out it's Ray. So somehow and, they're and, saying, and they and they they give us the reason for that. Luke had cut himself off from the Force, right? So the Force sought somebody else to raise up to fight the darkness instead of Luke. Otherwise, it, it would have been him, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, um, I guess the idea is that Ray is imbued with the Force with these abilities. Um. You know, I don't know. It, like, it's, I mean, because the amount of training that she gets is so minimal. I mean, we have to remember that this movie begins exactly where the last movie ends. There's no time mm-hmm. in between. You know, Ray is still standing on that bluff holding up that lightsaber to Luke. Um, There's a few frames, maybe. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, but but <laughs> no, there was no training that happens in those missing frames. Um, so, you know, so. Ray, you know, has a, a couple of lessons with Luke that last maybe a couple days at most, because let's remember, we've got this other chase scene going on yeah. on the other half of the movie. Um, and so by the end of it, she's able to use a lightsaber in a battle with the Snoke's Praetorian guard alongside Kylo Ren, you know, and and win. So we have to believe that you know, we have to you know have some suspension disbelief in well, her power comes from somewhere. But so we have you know she's she's always helpful, implacable. Um, you know she's never discouraged by setbacks, and you know and and so is that is that merely just a, a f- flawed character building, or is or are we going to get something in the next movie that kind of explains this? To us, what do you think, Father Corey? <laughs> what's your thought? That's what I'm. I'm, I'm sort of kind of chewing, chewing on it. It's good. I mean, it's a really good question, and I, I think it is kind of the difficulty when you you make a character like this where she almost isn't flawed. Yeah. At what point do you say no? There's got to be a flaw there. There's got to be something to make this character real. Um. I think I mean in one sense her her flaw is that um she's so focused on certain goals that she ignores the realities like um you know the 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 she ignores danger that, I think that's part part right. of it is she 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 just kind of jumps into the into the hole the dark side hole there on the island and uh seeking out her answers uh she 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 doesn't and then she goes and confronts Kylo Ren and Snoke. I mean, she almost, almost foolish in in her in her mm-hmm. bravery, which which seems out of character when you think of her origin, where she was an an orphan, frankly, you could say abused, mm-hmm. uh, did not have you know a 
good life before before the 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 movie started. Right. You know, her her origin was not a good one, and it's it was not an origin that you would think would lead to someone to be that impulsive and you know brave to the point of foolishness and and trusting. By the way, uh, right off yeah. the bat, for a lot of people. In, incidentally, uh, there's also been controversy about her origin because between the two movies, the big one of the big questions was who are her parents? Right. And it was widely assumed that Luke might have been her father. And if not him, then she would have been somehow connected either to Obi-Wan or to um, to uh, Leia and Han or something. Mm-hmm. And and then it and then we're told she just comes out of nowhere. Her parents were nobodies. They weren't particularly connected with the force. If Kylo Ren's and telling some, the truth. Except she buys into part of that. Now, part of what he says is that, you know, they they like sold her for drinking money or something. Um, but but she already seems to be acknowledging part of what he's saying is the truth, mm-hmm. that they were nobodies. Now, there's enough ambiguity there that I think it's up to J.J. Abrams. He could come back and revise that. He could retcon that. Um, and he could also retcon a flaw into her character, although it's a little hard to introduce. I mean, it could be done. Introduce a, a major flaw in the beginning or middle of the movie and then have her redeem it by the end. It would be possible. I think that's up to J.J. Mm. Abrams. Um but uh, but there was this controversy about her coming out of nowhere. And Ryan Johnson's explanation was that he he thought you shouldn't have to be part of the magical noble bloodline in order to be right. strong with the force. And actually, conceptually, I like that. Um, I like mm-hmm. the idea that you don't have to, you know, you don't have to have this force royal pedigree in order to be strong with the force that you can have people come from nowhere. That's nice. Although I still was a little disappointed because I wanted her to be, you know, Luke's daughter or something like that. In terms of this movie, I still probably would have preferred to have more of a connection rather than the, the nobody's explanation. Well, it definitely, it definitely gets into the, you know, kind of the letdown of the fans where the fans wanted something you know, even if it was even if it was a person who um, was a loose connection. Yeah. Even just some know, random yeah. Jedi from the past or something. You, right. You you mentioned, Dom, that these major major trilogies are spo- with the numbers are supposed to be the story of the Skywalkers. And well, if that's the case, then the only Skywalker that this film is focusing on in the new generation is Kylo Ren. And he's even not even named Skywalker. His last name mm-hmm. is Solo. Right. right. I mean, and especially given that uh, uh, we know that Leia won't be in the third movie, given the realities well, of maybe, this. Maybe obvious a, reasons. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, she died before they started uh, filming. There's there's apparently some footage they could use, and they, they've said they're not going to digitally CGI her, but hypo- they haven't closed off the possibility of recasting, last I heard. Wow. And they apparently have a little bit of of footage they could use um, that they could maybe repurpose. Um, Talk about controversies if they recast. (laughs) It it would be. Um, But uh, I I really feel for them in terms of the shape of the series, because it's clear, you know, with Kylo Ren as the main villain, you're going to save the big Kylo crisis for the third film. And that's mm-hmm. just the laws of drama tell you to do that. And the character, given who Kylo's parents are, 
the the character that most naturally is going to play a prominent role in that crisis is going to be his mom. And so you're going to have that as the central crisis of the third film. And so per Harrison Ford's desire, they finally killed him off in episode one. Per laws of drama, removing the hero, Ray's props. You take her mentor away in episode two, so Luke goes. And then you have the crisis between Kylo Ren and Leia in the third film. And then Leia's not there. And Mm. so they've got a real challenge with the third film, given that Leia can't be a substantial part of it. That's right. That's right. It's, I was going to bring that up later, that discussion of where do we expect it to go? But that's that's the big the big question is this. And, and, and part of part of the problem of discussing the, these first two movies is we're talking about we're talking about a story that's not ended yet. It's like it's like, you know, doing architectural critis, criticism of a, a building that's only two thirds built. You know, it it's it's it, you know, we're, we're we're basing it only on what we've seen so far. And the story could it can still develop and change. Um, yeah. But nevertheless, uh, you know, Ray is, you know, Ray isn't a Skywalker. Kylo Ren is the grandson of Anakin Skywalker. Um, I've long had a theory that this is this is, you know, and it's not exactly a groundbreaking theory that this is a, a going to be a redemption of Kylo Ren. He will he will turn by the end of mm-hmm. the, the trilogy. Uh, hmm, I was maybe. a little thrown off by Snoke's demise, early demise. Um, Incidentally, I, that's something I did not mind at all. Yeah. Killing Snoke in this mm-hmm. movie was something that um, it was unexpected. That w- it was unexpected. They needed to do something different, and it made it not feel like the original trilogy. Yes, because you would naturally expect the the mentor of the main villain right. to be dealt with in part three, and instead, suddenly he's dealt with in part two, and you have the main villain ascend to a triumphant position, which is not what Darth Vader did. Right, mm-hmm. and that that would have been a good criticism of the original trilogy, which is in the first movie, Darth Vader was was a scary bad guy. I mean, I as a as a ten year old, I was oh. kind of creeped out by Darth <laughs> Vader for many 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 uh, nights uh, uh, nightmares. Uh, and then they kind of watered him down a little bit when the Emperor shows up as his boss. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, maybe you know. And the Emperor was nowhere near as scary in that sense. I mean, he's just a creepy old guy in a in a in a hood. Hood. But, he's got a hoodie. But yeah, yeah. Whereas Darth Vader is the mask and the breathing and the you know. So and he almost became more of a lap dog than he did. Uh, yes. You know, I mean, the, you, you, you go do this, go do that. Right. The Darth you know? Vader of that last scene in Rogue One is the Darth Vader of my childhood nightmares. I mean, that was I mean, it was an epic mm-hmm. scene. And we're not we're not doing Rogue One today, but but that For was epic. it was Sleestack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. The Sleestacks. <laughs> Land of the Lost. Um, so. um so I, I'm, I'm still looking for Kylo Ren's redemption here in the in this. And I do I do agree that uh, by taking Snoke out of the picture now it opens that up, it opens that possibility up, because now Kylo Ren has to if he wants to remain the bad guy he has to do it on his own power, but likewise there's the opportunity there for him to come back, um. So it, it does definitely open up that opportunity. And if you think about uh, where we are emotionally, we've got at the end of this movie, we've got basically a new dawn for the rebellion. And even though the the First Order hasn't fallen, 
we feel very much like we're kind of in a place like the end of Return of the Jedi. I mean, it, it, we're not quite there because we need to rebuild and we need to take care of Kylo mm-hmm. Ren. But otherwise, the decks have sort of been cleared and we feel like we're at that same sort of place emotionally. There's this mm-hmm. note of hope instead of Han is frozen in carbonite. You know, there's this moment of hope we have at this uh, juncture. And it's kind of a new place for us dramatically in Star Wars, because previously, you know, the first trilogy played out its story. And then we got the prequels, which were all about setting up the first trilogy. And now for the first time, we're kind of in new territory where we've Mm -hmm. got a new plot ahead of us that's not simply paying off a previously existing story arc. I mean, we're we're getting the completion of the new trilogy, Mm -hmm. but it gets to complete itself in a way that we're kind of in uncharted territory. So we don't have a whole lot of time left. Uh, I want to kind of uh, in this last part of the of the this podcast, I kind of want to jump through, uh, maybe do this little exercise. If we could talk about a a flaw in the movie that we caught, because we have to talk about the flaws. That's just a human our nature of not just human nature. It's right. Well, just a a flaw that hasn't been brought up, but also uh, something that made the movie good. Um, okay. And then we can give our, our overall assessment at the end. So um, I, I'll get started with it. So uh, uh-huh. my flaws come in the big chase. Um, everything, sort of everything surrounding that. Now I get what Ryan Johnson was doing. He was evoking the this idea of the uh, the age of sail, the master and commander, where you know sh- two ships would chase each other ac- across the world. Both of them, you know. No, no, the 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 none gaining any advantage over the other, you know that whole they idea. Have wind, wind power, exactly. Um, yeah. and, and there, and you know the 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 chasing ship would be shooting with its bow cannons, um, to try to you know slow you know slow down the ship ahead, hit it, get a lucky shot in the rudder, or hit some rigging or whatever, uh, and end the chase. I get that. Why? But why wouldn't the first order just jump some ships ahead of the fleet? I mean, and yeah. the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm enjoying the story as they're telling it, but mm-hmm. I can't get like this idea out of my head. Like, the, they're why are they chasing them? <laughs> yeah, mean, they and it's even if their main ship can't jump ahead for some reason, right. they've got a bazillion ships at their disposal elsewhere in the galaxy. Call Pre- one. Presumably, yeah, presumably they could. Bring other ships in. I mean, um, that's what cops do. Exactly. You can't yeah. catch somebody in Cannonball Run. You get new cops to come in from the other side. Yeah. Now there are. You could build explanations. You could say there are only so many hyperspace lanes into a system, and and they weren't yeah. near one. Or there's all kinds of things you could say. And they've got a tractor beam or a dampening field or whatever, but they need to say something right. like that. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the fact is, is that, you know, they've played fast and loose with how hyperspace works before. I mean, with even, you know, in the previous movie, Han Solo coming out of hyperspace uh, in the atmosphere of a planet. So, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so that's 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 well, one. But the uh, things, a couple of things I loved. I loved John Williams music. Just fantastic. As always, he is the Mozart of our time. I mean, he just, he creates the soundtrack of, of, of our, of our time. Um, uh, like just even one, like the, the, on Canto bite, that soaring adventurous music as, mm. as uh, Finn and Rose are running from the police. It's that same, you, we've heard that same theme in ET and in Raiders mm. and in, in other places. And it's that 
beautiful John Williams call to adventure. This is an exciting, you know, as dangerous as it is, an exciting moment. And I just love hearing John Williams. And then um, the other music that he did was that when Luke and Leia met, quote unquote, <laughs> at the end, um, that Luke and Leia theme from Return of the... We only ever heard it once in Return of the Jedi. And he brings it back that when Luke and Leia uh, get together before Luke goes and confronts Darth Vader, um, that theme. And it's just a beautiful moment a beautiful music it's so enhanced um by the way ryan johnson says in, there's an easter egg on the dvd and i think he said in the digital streaming version where you can watch the movie without any dialogue or special effects or background mm. sound and just john williams soundtrack so uh, mm. those are a couple of things i really that's something i really loved and then something that that was a flaw um well it's, it's interesting you mentioned the music because I, I i do remember when i watched it the other night thinking at one point this is John Williams. Yeah. This music that is playing is, is so John Williams. And of course it was that, that chase scene where the, they're running th across the planet on the horse race thing, whatever <laughs> you want to call that. The fathers. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, they, it was just, it, it hit a set of, it, it hit a, a movement in that, in that music. And it's just like, that's John Williams. Right. That's, you know, and of course he was such, he is such a master at, developing the themes you know we, we've talked about themes in our other podcasts about you know the the music themes that kind of play into the action uh, that you see on screen and of course john williams is such a master of that yes father what are your plus and minus i have to say for for me one of my minuses my biggest minus personally is some of the humor hmm. uh some of the humor is great there were some very there's just some great laugh out loud scenes. Some of it, I think, felt way too flat. Um, that that initial scene where Poe is is you know holding the, off the dreadnought and I'm the holding telephone for the joke. Yeah, yeah, that completely took me right out of the story right off the bat. Yeah, because oh, I that love was that. too. It was too mm. contemporary. Uh, it, it was, was two twenty first century, two twenty first century. This galaxy, yeah, not yeah, a galaxy it, far, it, far it, away. It was really twentieth century. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. can't speak. But, but so was the garbage masher scene. I mean, that was so nineteen seventies. You yeah. know, putting the heroes in a garbage masher. It yeah. just it 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 pulled me out of that scene just way too quickly. Okay, mm -hmm. and calling him uh, General Hugs. I don't know if you caught yeah. that. He, he kept calling him General Hugs uh, yeah. instead of Hux, uh, which is uh, very funny. Uh, what else did you have, Father Corey? Um, you know, as, as far as something that worked, I think the interaction with Luke and Ray, where he did turn, you know, I, I want to use the word turn with kind of a caveat, obviously, you know, he didn't, where he, he changed his mind. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's, and, and bringing Yoda in as well, you know, the, the force ghost Yoda, I thought really kind of it, it changed his mind so that he saw that he needed to get involved at least one last time. Mm. And, and the way they did that, I actually, I don't, I don't know. I haven't looked in depth in kind of what, what fandom thought of it, but the, the way that Luke got involved at the end, I thought was actually very, very effective. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as far as he didn't leave his isolation, but he was able to to make a, a significant difference at the end. 
And if you're going to pull a new power that's that powerful out of the air, you need to have a big price to pay right. as a result for why we can't just use this all the time. And they gave us that, too. So that made dramatic sense. Yes. Now, I think it I think it was an uh, an excellent way to kind of tie that up, um, tie up Luke's storyline, where at the end he realized that he could uh, make that last sacrifice, if you will. Yes. Uh, and uh, Jimmy. So let me see. I agree with with what y'all have said. Um, I really love the humor in this. I thought the humor was great, including the telephone joke. Um, I liked the uh, fake out they did with uh, the master code breaker um, where they're setting him up to be a new scruffier Han Solo. And then he then he he, he really is a scoundrel. We don't get to see the yeah. heart of gold in this movie. <laughs> right. Um, the uh, I, I thought I loved the devastating, even though it doesn't entirely make sense. And the whole chase sequence doesn't make sense. The devastating hyperspace attack on the main ship that mm-hmm. that uh, Amazing. what's her name does. Yeah. yeah Admiral, I mean, Holdo. Admiral Holdo and dropping out all of the soundtrack at that point just made yeah. it all the more devastating. What an amazing that decision awesome. that was. <laughs> well, the, the yeah. soundtrack bold. changes, the lighting changes, yes. everything. Yeah. Yes, now, really, bold. there's a background question there. Why couldn't she have a droid do this? I mean, we have autopilots now, um, but it still was an awesome moment. Um, right. The uh, In terms of what I didn't like... Uh, I didn't like I, I thought it was fine dramatically, the chase sequence on Kanto Bite. Um it it looked fine. In fact, I was as I was rewatching it, I was going, hey, that looks like Dubrovnik. And oh and I checked and oh it is Dubrovnik. That's yeah. in, in Croatia where they filmed this. And mm. I've hap- I've been there before, so I recognize the streets. I've now been to two Star Wars locations. The other is <laughs> Luke Skywalker's house in Tunisia. I've also been there. <laughs> oh nice. Um, <laughs> But uh, but what I didn't like about it was even though cinematically it was fine, what I didn't like about it was that it's a it's it's a it's a juvenile girl horse eco rebellion fantasy. And it's really off mission. If the rebellion's on the line, you want to stay on mission. You don't go liberating science fiction horses in a kind of <laughs> stick it to the man defiance. Let's have a big romp. That's really not going to change anything because they're just going to catch them all again. <laughs> um, it, so I didn't like that. It just was juvenile. Um, the um, the but that plays into a broader theme, which is the political correctness of this movie. Because and a lot of people pointed out one of the big flaws in this movie is it's it, it's all wise women needing to restrain rash men, rash and foolish mm. men. And so you see that with each of the each of the main characters, Leia and Haldo school um, Poe, uh, Rose schools Finn and Ray schools Luke as well as Kylo and so forth. And so it's it, there's just too strong. I mean, I've even seen, uh, you know, like women YouTubers commenting on, come on, guys, this is just a little one sided. And I, <laughs> I, I understand the desire to have strong female leads and, and so forth. And that's great. And I don't care about that. Let's have all of that. 
But let's have a balance and a mix of, you know, it's, let's not just play out the father is the stupidest character in the family mm-hmm. meme that we see all over the media everywhere. Yeah, um, I agree. I think that I'm, I'm not one who says that, that Ray should shouldn't, you know, that they cast a girl and that's bad. Uh, you know, a girl is leading no, is bad. fine. But it's the it was the heavy handedness of how every guy in the movie is needs needs to be brought into line but, by every girl in the movie, um, you know, right down to. Well, you know, without, I don't want to you know necessarily get it too deep into the some of those because we're, we're getting short on time. Um, I did. I did. I was disappointed if it was, it's not so much a flaw. That we lost Admiral Akbar in this, so let's uh, let's raise one to Admiral Akbar, uh, the greatest non-character ever. Exactly, it's a trap. Yeah. I mean, he launched a thousand memes, um, but uh, so uh, any last thoughts? Uh, I mean, there's so much. My notes on this go on and on. We could talk for hours, but we don't have the time. And and it's so oh, so much has been said already. But is there any last thoughts on this or what you're looking for in the next movie? Well, I, I it was funny because again, I watched it after everything was spoiled. And and by the way, I'm one of those that believes if you haven't seen something in two weeks, prepare to be spoiled. Yeah. I, I've never <laughs> been one of those. I It's been two years since this movie come out. I haven't seen it. No spoilers. Too bad. Um, right. It, you know, so I, I'd heard. Oh, yeah, we the, didn't. We didn't spoiler warning this episode, did we? It's <laughs> way too late. And, uh, Sorry. If you're watching, <laughs> if you're listening to secrets of Star Wars, the last Jedi, you're going to get spoiled. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, you know, so I'd heard all the controversies. I'd heard all the, this is the greatest movie ever made in the history of ever. And the, this is the worst movie ever made. And they should be ashamed of themselves and go on, you know, and never make another movie again. It wasn't either. It was right. a fun movie. It was a great mm-hmm. movie. I enjoyed it. Was it everything I wanted from this? No. Were there, again, you know, were there things I liked? Absolutely. Were there things I hated? Absolutely. Would I, do I wish they had gone different directions? Sure. But it was a fun movie. It was a good movie. I, I concur with Father Corey. Um, I don't look to Star Wars to be awe-inspiring and mythical. I, in fact, I really think after episodes four and five, you're never going to recapture that. And even they had flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted it to be a fun, entertaining story that was better than the prequels. And it was. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed The Last Jedi, too. Yeah, they both have notable flaws. If I was making the films, I would have fixed some of those. But basically, it's a fun adventure story, and I enjoyed it. For me, um, as a lifelong Star Wars fan, uh, getting to introduce Star Wars to my kids, my five kids, has been a joy. They are crazy for Star Wars now, which I'm very nice. happy to, to know. Uh, like my son Anthony, You're raising can, them well. Yes, my well, my son Anthony studies every of the visual encyclopedias that I get and knows every ship name and can. I ask him questions. He tells me stuff. What was that planet? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks. Um, I got to take them to their first big movie experience in theater movie experience. It took them to see The Last Jedi. I was really worried that we'd have to you know, get up in the middle or something like that, but we didn't. They loved it and enjoyed it. Um, and that's I loved it, enjoyed it, partly because of that. Um, I, I, I'm excited that we have Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was something that we know we thought might never happen again after the Attack of the Clones. Um, well, and, and I'm looking forward to more of them. And not just not just mainline Star Wars movies, but they're also branching off into the other storylines and doing, you know, if Rogue One's an example of what the rest are going to be like, 
they're doing an excellent job at it too. Right. And that brings up the fact that uh, the solo movie about Han Solo is due out in about a month and a change for two months from when we are talking now. Um, we're going to be, have a podcast on that. Of course, we'll have a secrets of solo uh, podcast. So, so be looking for that. Um, but, but for now, I mean, that's it from us. Um, what did you think of star Wars? The last Jedi? Um, did, did you like it? Do you agree with us? Do you have different thoughts? Um, let us know. Uh, visit us at sqpn.com uh, and leave a comment there. Um, you could go to the SQPN Facebook page. There's also, uh, I moderate a um, Secrets of Star Wars uh, spoiler movie discussion uh, Facebook group uh, that you're welcome to, to find and join. Um, I'll, I'll try to get a link in the show notes. And come there. We, we we talk about the movies when they come out with spoilers, uh, but we try not to talk about uh, uh, spoilers for upcoming movies. We don't want to. We we want people to be able to enjoy them if they want. Um, but leave us some feedback. You can find links to all our personal and social media and websites on our show notes on sqpn.com. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our podcast feeds to ensure that you receive all future installments of this show, The Secrets of Movies and TV, uh, including. Uh, upcoming, our look at the most recent season of the X-Files uh, renewed. I don't want to say rebooted because it wasn't a restart. I'm trying to think of the best term for that. But that's coming up next week. Uh, until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for sharing in the secrets of Star Wars The Last Jedi. My pleasure, Dom. Uh, Father Cory Stika, thank you as well. Yeah, glad to be here. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and may the Force be with you. <laughs>